We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hour number two of Sports Talk Saturday rolls along, and we're going to get right to the West Her Hotline, where we've got standby the host of our Tea to Green show every Saturday morning on WGR, and the host of Sabres Pre, Post, and the Intermissions, Brian Cozio. Brian, welcome to Sports Talk Saturday, man. How are we doing today? Good morning, or great, good afternoon. I don't know what time it is here. I think we did just hit afternoon. We just hit noon. Yeah, good afternoon. I'm still going morning. I got up at like nine. I haven't been up long enough for it to be afternoon yet. <laughs> now, understandable. Listen, I, I, you know, you woke up to listen to T to Green. You went back to bed at eight o'clock. Exactly. Yeah. You get it. You get it. Speaking of that, before we do get to the Sabers, I do want to ask about the Players Championship because some of these names, Brian, you had like you had this text me yesterday for updates to give me name pronunciations. <laughs> Is it Ben Zadenhout from South Africa? Zadenhout. He yeah. was he was leading yesterday. He tees off at about twelve thirty today, so that's in about a half hour, a little bit under. He's in third right now at six under. And then Sevenson from Canada, he's at nine under. He tips off at about twelve forty five. What have we been seeing this weekend? I mean, obviously he's been going to the final two rounds here. Well, yesterday they had a little bit of some weather issues, so that's why they're they finished up this morning uh with the second round. But they've made the cut and now they're on to round three. Um, the condition today, I think, should be the best for scoring. So I think we'll see maybe the most exciting golf in terms of the change in, you know, up and down on the leaderboard. Some of the people that have been playing that have been watching so far today um, have been making some good birdies. Like, we're seeing some bigger names playing right now. Jordan Spieth's playing. Ricky Fowler's playing. Xander Shoffley's playing. Um, but the guys at the top that you mentioned, uh, Adam Svensson, who's leading by two, Canadian player who kind of came on toward the end of last year. Again, one of these younger players. Um, He's got a two-shot lead, but still a ton of golf to go. The guy that positioned himself very well with a strong finish in round two is Scotty Scheffler. And if you follow golf, you obviously know his name. He's been so good here, the player of the year last year. Um, Scheffler, I think, is the guy to beat for sure in this event here. He's just He doesn't get rattled. He handles the pressure really well. And i got to think that going into the weekend, even though there's some other names here that are in the mix, Colin Morikawa can play very well, Ricky Fowler, you've got – Adam Hadwin, Justin Rose, Jason Day, Victor Hovland, all these guys that are within striking distance. I still think Scheffler's got to be the guy to beat here. I've been meaning to, I just, I haven't had the time, but have you checked out the full swing documentary on Netflix? I've seen some of the pieces of it so far. I have not gotten all the way through. It's been very, very good so far. I think even if you're not a hardcore golf fan, I think it's really, really great, kind of similar to what F1 did with their series. Mm-hmm. I think, like, to kind of get inside here on what some of these guys are thinking. And, of course, last year 
when they filmed this last season, there was all the live drama of players discussing, you know, who's leaving and who's staying and all this, their, their kind of player perspective. So uh, I thought it was very, very good. I enjoyed it from what I've seen so far. Now, I'm, we're going to have to go a little negative here, Brian. On to the Sabres. Number one, what were your thoughts following Thursday night's game? They just get embarrassed on home ice against the Dallas Stars, 10-4. to 4. What were your big takeaways following that game? Or even, I guess, even in the middle of it when it was kind of becoming clear like they were going to get whooped on. You know, I kind of, the, the game, the first two periods did not go well. And it kind of felt like it was a one-sided affair. But Jeff Skinner scored early third, and it's 5-3. And I'm sitting here saying, you know what? The Sabres got a chance to kind of salvage what I think has kind of been a crappy night here. It's 5-3, 16 minutes to go. Like, this isn't something that they haven't, that they haven't done before. Like, they can pull this off here. And I thought the next two to three minutes were maybe their best of the game. Thompson's line came back out, and I thought Thompson's had a rough week and was struggling. But I thought maybe they had one of their best shifts. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know what? If they can just get one here, they got like you know, 16 minutes left. You get one within the next 10 minutes, and this is, this is so definitely doable. And then they just couldn't get that extra goal, I think, to maybe make it 5-4 that maybe would have really kind of made that belief happen. And then when Dallas scored about at the halfway mark of the period, it's just like the wheels fell off. One thing that I think I've credited Don Granato for that we saw over these last handful of years of disastrous hockey is that the Sabres panic and it leads to just like you, you can't stop the bleeding. I think they've done a pretty good job with this young group where you'd expect maybe it could happen. It's only happened a couple of times all year. Ironically enough, it happened within a week of each other. It happened in the third period in Boston last week when they lost 7-1. to one a game, again, that wasn't that out of hand, and then all of a sudden it was a disaster. And then it happened again here. The only thing I think from this game that I will take away that you can really, really be upset about, again, beyond the fact they give a pet, like there was a moment where we sat, sat here again and said, did they quit on their goalie? Did they quit on each other? I questioned that the other night uh, in Boston last week when they gave up those three late goals and Lukanen sitting there trying to stop a 2-on-0. It happened again in the Dallas game. There was, again, a spot, one of the, I don't know if it was goal eight or nine, two guys in the crease area, no saver there. I'm like, that just can't happen. And, you know, Kyle Oposo said all the right things after the game. Rosso Stalin said all the right things after the game. But Don Granado's team has been very good about responding after clunker games. They had the terrible game in Boston, and then what happened last Saturday? They came out, and they played, I thought, one of their most complete home games all season, and they handled Tampa Bay. Will it happen again today? You know, I feel like this is a maybe a make-or-break point. I don't think the season is over in terms of the playoff race. But, man, if they put themselves in a much tougher spot, think about just a week ago after this Tampa game, they come off that amazing last week of February where they win in Tampa, they win in Florida, they come home and thump the Capitals. Then they respond after the Bruins game, beat Tampa. They're two points back at Pittsburgh. People are really into it. And now all of a sudden, a bad week where you go 0 for 3, and two of the three games I think were bad. And now it's, man, it's a, such a different feeling about this team. So the winning streaks, the losing streaks, I heard you talking about that earlier with Corey. Like, I think that's going to happen. But I feel like today's got to be one of those benchmark moments with this group to say, like, look, you've got to respond here. That what happened to give up 10 
to kind of quit on your goalie, to do it at home again. Like that just cannot happen if you have convinced us that you've turned the page and turned the corner and that you are not the franchises to be, or these seasons to be lumped in with the last decade that has been so bad. Well, they are on the red and blacks tonight. So I think for a lot of us who are a little bit superstitious about the jerseys and stuff like that, I think a lot of us do expect probably a big bounce back game. It's just, it has been so tough, especially this week, but really they've lost five of the last six and, and it really has just been, there was the highest highs of they're in a playoff spot in February. You know, when was the last time that even happened? I think it, it even went further back than the 10 game win streak. And it's just, it, it kind of has felt like it's cratered. Brian, though, have you kind of noticed like this team does struggle to play once there is a big injury? That eight game losing streak happened with Matias Samuelson out and now with Tuck out. They've had a few wins, but they've also obviously had this this five losses out of six games. Like, are they just kind of they they've really been able to to manage their health well all year? But when they do have a bigger name go out, they seem to struggle immensely when that happens. Yes, they have, and it shows that while the game to game lineup is much better in terms of the roster makeup than it has been in previous seasons it still shows that right now the depth that the Sabres have versus some of these other elite teams in the East still just isn't there. I think Jack Quinn has been pretty good filling in on the top line uh, for the, some of these games that Tuck has been out. And we know lately these last couple of games they've put Jordan Greenway there. But Alex Tuck is such a spark plug for this team that Thompson-Skinner-Tuck line is one of the best in the NHL when they're firing on all cylinders. And to me, too, if these collapses – Again, I don't want to just say it's all Alex Tuck, but that's a guy that's got a ton of pride that wears that Sabre sweater with as much, you know, like integrity and how proud he is. You wonder if him not being in the bench, him being in the room. I'm not saying he's the ultimate. There's good leadership on this team now that maybe hasn't been there, but I think he's right at the top of the list with when it comes to, like, guys playing for pride, guys playing for each other. We saw a little of that go away in the Dallas game. We saw a little bit of that go away in the Bruins game. Suddenly, Cage Thompson looks frustrated and maybe trying to do a little bit too much. And maybe because the offense was sloppy. And when you're playing Dallas, that gets exaggerated, too. That's just kind of the style they play. And now all of a sudden, because Thompson, and, you know, he said this, we'll hear this in this interview today on pregame. He said it to Paul yesterday that I thought it was interesting. He said, look, when our offense is out of sync and we're disconnected, he said the way sometimes that we solve it, he goes, and I'm not saying it's right, is that we cheat a little more. Think, all right, I, we can't bring it through the zone. We're having trouble connecting on passes here. I'm going to cheat a little more. Well, what ends up happening? The defense suffers. Suddenly, another one's in your net. Suddenly, it's a 2 on zero against Eric Comrie last, in that last game. So I thought that was a really interesting interview from Thompson. Again, we're going to hear the whole thing on pregame today. But to hear how, look, even the guy who's the best scorer on this team, who's been virtually unstoppable all year, gets a little frustration and it says, hey, like, sometimes our mechanism is that then we cheat to try to overcome the fact that the offense isn't going that way, and then it affects the defense. And clearly that was a big piece of what we saw in that Stars game. What have you made of the defense this year? I, like, me and Corey were talking about it. You, you have potentially two of like, the most dynamic defensemen in hockey in, in Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power. You signed Matias Samuelson to a seven-year extension. But overall, this team, a lot of their issues, yes, goaltending as well, but their defensive structure, a lot of odd man rushes, a lot of two-on-ones. We've been seeing a lot this week, two-on-Os, and just 
the goal situation is not great, but it does feel like this defense does leave a lot to be desired. And and yes, they're young, but but Brian, what have you really seen from them? Not even just this week, but really all year. It's it's still a much improved group. It's it's tough to try to get answer that question without the sting of the Dallas game still being fresh in your mind. So that's why I, I'm glad the way you phrased it there at the end. Not just the Dallas game, just or not just this last week, the whole season. I'm encouraged if I take a look at the whole season. I think you said it right. I think the Sabres have a top five defenseman in the entire NHL in Rasmus Dahlin. I think Owen Power for year one looked better than Rasmus Dahlin looked in year one. And, you know, all signs would indicate that he's going to trend to maybe be at some point a top 10 def- uh, defenseman in the NHL. So if you end up with two guys with dynamic skills and vision and intelligence in those two, I mean, and their ages of what they're at, I mean, that is obviously a dream for any organization to not only have one of those, but to have two. I think Matias Samuelson, Kevin Adams' thoughts on wrapping uh, wrapping up a deal with him early, I think have shown to prove that that was a wise move. The next, what, six years for uh, just over $4 million per, that's going to seem like a bargain. So I feel like you've got three guys that – I really, really feel good about Darlene and power. And, you know, they could still just take off. I think Samuelson for the most part has been a guy that has not been caught out of position. Does seem to be in the right spot at the right time. Does seem to be able to make up for his defensive partner. If they're out of position or if a forward turns it over. So I feel good about three. Then I kind of look and say, well, where's next? I think there's a spot for Ilya Labushkin on this team. He's big, he's physical. We know Kevin Adams kind of addressed, why that's important at the trade deadline with some of the moves he made with Stillman and with Greenway and talking about how he doesn't want his team to get bullied. I think Labushkin is good. I think he's good for the year five, six pair. I don't think it, you want to push that any more than that. Ultimately, I feel like Henry Yoki Haru has been a little disappointing this year, especially on the offensive side. He's added almost essentially nothing. Defensively, there's games where I don't love him. Defensively, there's games where I don't notice him, which means I guess maybe that's a good thing. I feel like he's kind of been like in the eh, so-so sort of range. And I think they're still searching for who defenseman number six is going to be. I know fans were excited about Lawrence Pilot to start the season coming back. That obviously has not panned out. I think Jacob Bryson has take step, taken a step back this year. I was kind of hoping with some of his offensive skill that, and skating that we would see a little bit more out of him. I think at the very least, I could say, his to be kind, his game is plateaued. So, And they lost, you know, they obviously let go – Casey Fitzgerald, um, Kel Clegg, I think maybe could be, you know, I, I'd ultimately like him to be your extra and not a guy that plays every night. So I still think that maybe there's some spots to upgrade the backside, but overall, if you're asking me this season and the future, they have three guys that I would just, I think at some point will all be all-star level. One already is already in Darlene. And I think power and Samuelson are heading in that direction. You mentioned him a little while ago, and I do kind of want to get your opinions. What have you made of Jordan Greenway when he, you know, in his first about a week or so? He obviously for the first few games played on the lower lines, but then the last two games he's been on the Thompson Skinner line. What have you made of him, especially with his physical presence that really being the main calling card of his game? Better these last two games, probably for two reasons. One, you mentioned he got moved to play with Thompson and Skinner. That's going to make anybody play better. We saw Jack Quinn's game raise. When they ended up, when he ended up getting ice time with that top line, and also too, just getting used to his teammates. Don Granado said that first game coming in, not really even having a practice with the team, 
He said he just felt like he wanted to make his presence known. And he said at times, sometimes that makes you kind of spin your wheels of thinking, well, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. And then you end up not really being firm in terms of any decision making. So I think he's still a work in progress. I do like the move, though, that Kevin Adams made with it. I think it will be something that will be long-term a good move. Uh, I don't expect him to be a permanent person on the top line. I think the game, Alex Tuck, is back. If Greenway ends up staying with Thompson and Skinner for at least these foreseeable future games, I think he'll be immediately moved somewhere else and have Tuck replaced there just because of the offensive side of things. I don't think Greenway is ever going to be top two line caliber in terms of offense, but his flexibility to be able to play both sides. He's a guy that can probably play at some point when you do have injuries like this, that you can move him around. He's a big body. He's going to create space for some of the skill players. So I feel like he can kind of be a hybrid player for the Sabres organization going forward that yes, ideally maybe he's on your third line, but because of the fact that he can play both sides, because of the fact that he does have some skill for a bigger guy, I think you could probably move him around as needed, depending upon whether you just want to shake up the lines or whether or not you want to create a spark or whether or not you have an injury. So I do think it's a good move. I like him. I think he'll be a good part of this team here going forward for the next few seasons. And last thing before we let you go, because I know you got a very busy night tonight, pregame coming up in just about three and a half hours, the goalie situation. Comrie, UPL, Craig Anderson, I, really all three of them. Like, I guess what do you make of it this season as we especially head towards the end of it and – I guess, how do the Sabres figure this out? Devin Levi's not going to be coming up right away, almost definitely. He's going to probably spend at least a full year in Rochester. What do they do here? Do you feel any sort of level of confidence with Comrie potentially coming back next year? UPL's had his moments. Craig Anderson, even at you know in his 40s. I mean, how, how do you feel about that? I feel like as our mood swing has changed about the Sabres over the last 10 days, as has our mood about the goalies. I feel like two weeks ago, everybody felt really good about where Uka Pekalukinen was. And then all of a sudden, Eric Comrie comes in, and he wins four in a row. And Craig Anderson maybe has his performance of the season in that win in Florida. And, you know, Paul and I are sitting here on pre- and post-game saying, well, well, who are you going to fit in next? Like, you got to ride Anderson more, right? He's been so hot. Well, then he's kind of had two lesser performances as of late. Lukinen still just... I don't know if there's just enough consistency to say for sure that he can be a number one. I think we've seen a step up this year, for sure. Do I think he can be a NHL goalie? I think we've seen enough this year that I think I can say yes on that. Do I think that he's a number one for a team? I'm still going to say I'm not sure. Ultimately, I feel like if you said what's the long-term goal for Kevin Adams, it would be to have Levi at some point come in and be your one, and then Lukanen can be your two, and maybe that's his long-term vision, and that's why we really haven't seen any goalie movement there. Uh, Comrie has won four of his last five. We know, of course, he was a part of the Dallas game, but he still continues to let in a lot of goals. Some of these games that they win, they win that game in Tampa 6-5. They won another game 5-4. So he hasn't been shutting other teams down, but I guess you got to give a slight credit for winning. Comrie's future with the Sabres, I probably think next year, you know, the last year of his contract, maybe Anderson's not back. It's Lukonen and Comrie and whatever they decide to do with Levi. I think, Zach, what's worth noting here is as we get into the college playoff schedule is what does Northeastern do? How quickly are they done? Is there a temptation that will he go ahead and turn pro? 
Remember, we see, saw that last year with Owen Power, right? When Michigan season ended, and all of a sudden he came up and played some games. Will there be that scenario where Levi's available, and will Don Granato and Kevin Adams say, like, hey, curiosity bug is here. Do we even throw him in an NHL game here at some point at the uh, beginning of April or end of March, whenever he's available? And I think you're right. Probably the plan is for him to play in Rochester next year, but if the Sabres are out of the playoff race officially at that point here, you know, last week in March into April, it would be tempting when Levi's college season is over to maybe get a look at him early. It would be fun. It would, I mean, it would definitely, especially like you said, if the playoff race is over with, it'd be kind of fun to see Levi and have like at least that, like that to look forward to to watch because he is, you know, for as much as Yuri Kulik and Matthew Savoy have been just amazing prospects, I think Devin Levi has really captured the imagination of basically every Sabres fan. But Brian, thank you so much for coming on today. We'll hear from you in about three and a half hours with Sabres pregame. So we'll talk to you then. Talk to you then. Yep, we'll be uh, live at 4 o'clock. Talk to you then, Zach. Very nice. Thank you, Brian. That was Brian Cozio on our West Her Hotline. He, of course, is the host of our Tita Green show. You can hear every Saturday morning and the host of Sabres pre- and post-game along with the intermissions as well. We're going to take a quick timeout. We're going to stick with the hockey situation. I do want to give my thoughts a little bit, not only on the goalie situation, but kind of everything that's been going on this year, and I guess my overall feelings on it. Our lines are open for the next half hour before we bring on Zach Pearson of Bear Report to talk about the big Bears trade. So if you want to call in, share your thoughts as well. It's at 803-0550. But for now, we're going to take a quick timeout. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday. Nick Geary has a day off. I'm Zach Jones, along with Corey Griswold, and this is WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Odyssey is your home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the free Odyssey app today to listen to WGR Sports Radio 550. Brought to you by Value Home Centers for the do-it-yourselfer in you. Sports Talk Saturday rolls along here as we continue on with Hour 2. Still taking your calls at 803-0550. We want to talk a little bit of Bills as the new league year begins next week. What free agents would you like to see the Bills take a swing at? As long as, We're also talking about the draft as well because I am always willing to talk about the draft. Corey, it could be June 
and I'll talk about the 2024 draft. I'm always, I'm always ready for it. What if it's 2027? I mean, let's get wild. I mean, those guys are definitely like probably in high school still. But let's get after it. Let's let's see if we can find some breaking names. down the nation's best preschool draft grades going across the country. This kid's got incredible height. Can absolutely reach for the crayons. No question about it. You say that as a joke, but like I remember USC offered. Oh, what was his name? It was like a, it was a quarterback in like sixth grade. They offered him a scholarship. That's cool. I mean, it's not, yeah, but it's also not. it's very cool. Oh man. College recruiting, what a wild There's time. nothing skeezier at all than college sports. No. It's incredible. I, so, I, all right, we're, we're going to go back to the Sabres, but now I, I kind of want to talk about, like, Jim Beheim because he retired from Sarah, retired slash the school fired him, slash no one's really talking about that. But cool, the best ending. Oh, but best he's, he's out best after fabulous. 47 years at Syracuse, really the only coach at all there. I mean, he's not, but he's the one that has made Syracuse that brand in college basketball, all that stuff. Him, like, not being able to adapt to the recruiting is what killed Syracuse. Like, they have not been good for a few years here, and he's just like, I think he mentioned, like, Wake Forest bought a team, and I'm like, Jim, this is college sports at the Division One level. You all bought your teams. You know what? Every one of you. I wonder if they could afford it. Like, that's something you say when you can't afford the price. That is absolutely something you say when you're like, ooh, now that we can't, like, do, like, backdoor deals of, like, just an envelope of, like, 100K and, like, that's it. Like, now that it's, like, open, like, hey, yeah. we live in Austin the and, like, market. we have all of these, like, you know, car dealerships that just want to, like, make you, like, the sponsor. Like, we'll just do that instead. Now that you can't do that, Syracuse having a little bit of a tough time there. You know, um, there was a Carmelo Anthony shoe commercial mm-hmm. that had Jim Beheim in it. Yes. And the scene is him like talking to a recruit and kind of like dapping up Carmelo as he passes by because it's like Carmelo reflecting on his development and getting to where he was. Oh, yeah. This was at like at the height of Carmelo Anthony. Development. He was at, at Q's for a year. Right. Um, but like, and now everybody's like, well, Beheim can't recruit anymore. And it's like he's getting a shoe, he's in a shoe commercial recruiting somebody. Yeah, he, he did do that. It is interesting, though, with Syracuse recruiting. Like, they've had, I, to me at least, and this is someone that's not a Syracuse fan, just I, I do like the Big East. I, I somewhat pay attention to that. He's had, like, two definitive, like, historic, transcendent recruits. Pearl Washington when the Big East was just starting, mm-hmm. and then Carmelo in the early 2000s. And yeah. After that, it's kind of been like a tire fire. Uh, I think that the drafts of all the leagues should be abolished. I think that, get rid of them, sign, sign people. Go European football. European football has done it right. Um, you just Th- theirs people. has become interesting. I think my and always it's my one fear, and this is with drafts everywhere. Do the big markets just become the meccas? Like yes. everyone just goes there, or and like, that get bought, me. Uh, you get bought out by the Saudis? Like that's how it works. Like yeah. it's it's horrible. I mean, you're right. You're literally right. All the systems are horribly corrupt. There's no there's no two ways about it. So you're not going to avoid the poison that is the amount of money that enters into sports. Mm-hmm. At the very least, you can knock off a little bit of the exploitation by just saying, like, we're just going to – they're just employees. They just, just get paid whatever they want. Because it's always my favorite thing, especially in sports like hockey and basketball. The best player in college or, or juniors in hockey, like the, the best player, a prodigy of a prospect. Right. Has to be, like, subjugated to the worst team. Likely the worst coaching staffs, horrible training facilities. And they're like, you got to go there. And you got to, like, single-handedly – likely, like – 18, 19, 20 years old, change like a billion dollar organization. Yeah, it's, it's like when you say it like that, it's asinine. And it's, it gets you into collusion. Oh, like, yeah. When you already have the structure of like, we kind of tell you where to go and we're all working together on this, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have just seeded the ground for teams to go like, we don't have to pay Lamar Jackson, right? If we don't want to. Like it's, it's you are like a hop, step and a jump away from that. Oh, yeah. So it's, oh, it's crazy. Right. Like, uh, like, <sighs> 
what's happening with Lamar Jackson is both collusion and both the Ravens being like, yeah, we don't really want to do we don't we can do better probably we think. and it's so weird like like but it's both i went to that ravens ravens bills game i went it was me my dad my brother my cousin my uncle it was it was a guys trip we all went it was it, all of ours our first road bills game right all, i think except my dad i think because he lived in miami so i think he saw bills miami dolphins game but uh, for the rest of us all our first bills road game and it was cool i number one to see like all the bills fans that traveled the most interesting thing i took away from it and why i have been on Lamar Jackson not being a Raven next year or at least in like the next two years is because every time a Bills fan, you know, because you're, you're, you're talking trash, you're not rivals necessarily, but you're in the AFC, you're both considered, you know, perennial mm-hmm. teams. And, and it was a close game. I mean, it was a very, very close game, crappy weather, but ultimately a very fun ending. Ravens fans would be chirping back, Bills fans would be chirping back, but it, always, it was always a back and forth. The moment it didn't matter if it was in the concourse, in in the stadium, or just walking, you know, to the actual stadium. If anyone said anything about, yeah, but Lamar Jackson's leaving, or wait till he's a free agent, or anything, the Baltimore Ravens fans would like just go dead silent. You would see the color leave their face. I feel like this has been something that has been brewing in Baltimore for like two years. Great, it, it is so it's weird, so cool. Because I, you know, and me and uh, Mike Shope on the afternoon show were talking about this. I think oh, last week. Oh, it was on the afternoon show, and. And it was kind of like he, like it, on the outside, from a Bills fan's mm-hmm. perspective, living in Buffalo, I don't live in Baltimore, I would have put Lamar Jackson in the same category as Mahomes to Kansas City, Josh Allen to Buffalo, yes. Burrow to Cincinnati. Absolutely. It, it's just like, no, he's a, he's a Raven. He won an MVP. In his second year. Yeah. He's the best offensive player they've had since Jamal Lewis in 2001. What are you doing? And they, and it's just, it's such a... It's it's weird. It's fascinating. It's kind of crazy. They're the ones who drafted him to play quarterback when when, when it n- felt like no one else wanted to. Yes, and they're the ones now rejecting him at that position after he proved he can play quarterback. And it, it's it's not even just like it's not even just that they're rejecting him. They're rejecting him on the basis that he couldn't play quarterback the way they wanted him to. In which case, no one else wanted him to. Which is we're going to draft a ton of tight ends, running game, and all that. And you're like, guys, I can throw. Like, I, I can throw in the middle of the field. I can throw in the outside yeah. numbers. Like, I'm getting better. I'm doing that. And they're like, yeah, but why would we draft wide receivers with the Baltimore Ravens? Like, in the Ravens have been such a good team. And this is when Ozzie Newsom was the GM. So, you know, follow me on this one. They were such a good team. At, it didn't matter who their quarterback was. They were going to be so talented everywhere else that they could just will themselves to 10 wins in a playoff spot there is, every year. There's no other quarterback in the league that still puts the fear of we could die at any moment into me like Lamar Jackson. There's three does. guys to me. Like oh, Mahomes isn't even that for me. Like Mahomes really? is like I'm going to die okay. over time. Oh god, I got to like, get it. He's, you, like, you mean like in a dang- single play? Yes, he's absolutely okay. dangerous and he will kill me but he he's not he's not as explosive as yes. Lamar Jackson. Yes, is. I would agree. Where at, at any moment if you make one mistake, he can just vaporize you. Like that to me that's Lamar Jackson. And yeah. I, why even Allen really can't do that? No, because Allen's not a speedster. That no. was the big thing I took away from Anthony Richardson's combine performance is that he is a faster Josh Allen. He ran a 4-4. <laughs> like, he is a terrifying athlete. Great. Allen is just a bull. He will run you over. That's right. Very rarely will he outrun you. It feel, to me, it feels like Allen keeps it alive. Yeah. Like, Allen does everything. That you, he's never out. But for Jackson, it's, oh, you ha- he better be down on the ground because until he is, this play could end in a touchdown. I remember it was the Tennessee Titans wildcard game, I think two years ago. Yeah. When Jackson just, it, 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 really, he didn't have a good game at all. But it was that one play where he just 
off to the races and you're like you can't you can't stop yep. him. You cannot stop him. And since his MVP year, that team has just not put wide receivers near him. The training staff apparently is a is a nightmare. We've seen like guys like Rashad Bateman and even Deshaun Jackson mentioned. I think Deshaun Jackson mentioned on his podcast of just like how bad the Ravens have treated him. And I'm like, for a franchise that has not ever been good at quarterback, like Baltimore itself. I'm like, we can go to the Colts. Your last great quarterback, just the Baltimore football franchises, was Johnny Unitas. You know, when those NFL PA rankings came out, mm-hmm. and of course the first place I went was like, okay, how are the Bills doing? Yeah, oh yeah. And the players' concerns were basically like travel stinks. But also, and considering last year, I wonder why. But also, yeah. like, you, the, our nutritionist is like working really hard. They should get that person some help. Like, it wasn't like, I can't believe we play here, we're going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, it's da- like, like, things that the Chiefs players were saying about their training facilities and training staff, where it's like... This is like it's borderline dangerous. Yeah, like where guys it. are like, I don't want to rehab here. Yeah, like that is it was that was stunning to me to see players voice that right. Mm-hmm. And if I'm like an owner, like they're the I want to hear players tell me because they're not gonna they're not gonna lie to me about that. Well, they're not gonna lie to me, and it's like if I'm spending this much money and you're and and on a pro athletic trainer, you're making good money. Exactly. If my players are horrified at the idea of you know, it's their livelihood. And rehabbing with you, oh, you're out the door like, this immediately. Yeah, it's not classic sports journalism crap where they're arguing about whether or not there's a ping pong table in the locker room. This is players saying, like, no, my my body is my career, and it is not being taken care of yeah, in the it is, place it I is am. actively it's un- in harm's or, yeah, way or when I'm with them. Yeah, or active harm, right? And, like, I can't imagine any owner seeing mm-hmm. the product being turned out that keeps your team working. And Baltimore are the same guy for like eight years. Yeah, and it's just like... And they had routine co- like complaints about him. And I'm like, what is happening here? I, I, I know for, for an organization that I thought for years was one of the best run organizations in all of sports. I know the answer. Disaster. I know what the answer is. The answer is that rich people are morons. Yeah, well, like yes. they're not... Just because somebody owns a business doesn't mean they're good at it. Most well, yeah, of them you, are you, actually huge yeah, idiots. You can be dumb in other areas. Absolutely. We live in a society where we have made it possible for the rich to keep their money so that they are can be big idiots and still have power. That's yes. the point of having power. It's all about so that you baby. don't lose it. Even if you're a moron. Yeah. So here are all these NFL owners, huge morons, with players almost getting hurt at their own, like dumbbells falling on people's heads out at the Chiefs stadium, and the owner doesn't have to care because he can be an idiot and everything is still going great. Well, look at even Dan Snyder with Washington. Like, that, that stadium is a hazard. Like, we're arguing about... It's, it's insane. We argue about Isaiah McKenzie dropping a couple of passes, and we're like, well, they should cut him. Yeah. <laughs> and here's an owner who's like, their stadiums are going to get somebody killed. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know if we can do anything about it. It's like... Launch him into space. I don't care. Just move on. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the, the whole Lamar Jackson situation. And, and we're going to get a resolution probably pretty soon to that whole thing. It is just, it's so wild to me. I, I, I've probably been a pretty big Lamar Jackson defender. I don't think the biggest one on this station, but I've been a big Lamar Jackson proponent. I didn't think the Bills would ever draft him that year just because they'd moved on from Tyrod Taylor and Lamar just feel like, felt like a better version of Tyrod. And I, I, and I understood where the Bills just kind of wanted to go in a different direction. I'm, I was fine with that. I was more of a Stan Darnold guy. I will fully wear that on my chest. That's fine. But to see teams like actively like just reporter after reporter just coming out and going, this team's not interested, this team's not interested. Even look at Carolina, who I think made an awful trade 
this year for the number one overall pick. I absolutely think the Bears ran away with that trade as the winners never once made an offer sheet. They never even tried to give away two first round picks and pay him, and you'll have them. You'll have, and and it, like that's the thing to me that like that trade is so crazy. That what they gave away for the number one overall pick. This is just Carolina. What they gave away for that pick is the number nine overall pick. They swapped first this year, sixty one, a first in twenty twenty four, and a second in twenty twenty five, and DJ Moore. They could have had Lamar Jackson for just two first round picks and could have kept DJ Moore. And they would have immediately had a pretty good run game, a really, really young and talented defense, and then Lamar Jackson in a in a division that is just awful. There's no quarterbacks there. Atlanta, the same thing. You have guys like Drake Lund, like Kyle Pitts, like Tyler Algier. And, and a quarterback like Lamar, who if you put him in the Eagles kind of offense, which I think Arthur Smith would want to run, you could run away with that division. And just everyone's sitting there going, nope, I don't want to do it. And we had a guest on for the afternoon show a few weeks ago, Brett Coleman, and he mentioned the fact that some of these owners, it, it's the contract. That it's the fact that Lamar Jackson wants to have a fully guaranteed contract, and some of it I've heard as well is that it, you know his mother's his agent, and that there's there's no now mediator between you know the personal stuff of like look we love him, but there's this, and and that that's of course going to go on in contract negotiations, and I agree he should have an agent, but it is it is wild to me to see him. I don't want to say necessarily be treated this way, but it's just to have felt like constantly that they were not going to pay him. That something was going to go south here. And yes, you can argue his his MVP was in 2018, and he, and he has not performed really at that level since. And you'd be right. I think a lot of it, though, is look at what the team has been put around him. It's running backs and a tight end. That's what they put around him and said, go be great. When everywhere else we look around, it's wide receivers, it's offensive linemen, it's keep loading up, keep getting better. Why weren't they on a DJ Moore trade? Why aren't they on a DeAndre Hopkins trade? Cortland Sutton, any of these guys, why aren't they on this trade? Devontae Adams as well last year. Why weren't they on these to try to get the most out of Lamar Jackson? They have done so poor at taking advantage of a generational athlete. And I sometimes use that term very loosely, but that is what Lamar Jackson is. Him and Allen are generational athletes. And the Bills, I even think, have done pretty good to to take advantage of Allen, but not fully. I've, I've been somebody, I want them to get more receivers. They made the Stephon Diggs trade, though. They've put the, the best team I think they could around him. Great. Baltimore has not done that with Lamar, and it, and it is just, Corey, you said it, it, it is collusion, but it's, it's so weird to see these owners of the Carolina Panthers, of the Atlanta Falcons, of the Washington Commanders, just like, yeah, we don't, we, we're not going to even try. Cool, can we get them? Like, like, cool. Yeah, we'll trade two first round sure. picks and then trade him. Yeah, absolutely. Sick. Like, like, I, like I'll sign him and, and then trade I, him away. I'm not kidding. Like, if it was like, hey, do you want Lamar Jackson for two first round picks for the Bills, even with Josh Allen? Yeah. The answer is yes, and I'll figure it out. Like, I'll play Allen at linebacker. I don't care. Like, I'll put both of them on the field at the same time and let's see what happens. Let's just see what goes. Yeah. Because if, I mean, if the rest of the league is going to be like, I don't know if that guy's any good, cool. I'll take him and wreck the just, place. There's got to be a team out there that I think is just ready to be like, nah, screw it. We're going to go for it. Detroit, to me, is the hottest team for this. I'm on St. Brown. You've got a great, great running back duo and an, an elite offensive line. Somebody will, somebody will Sick. do it. Somebody's going to do it. He's too good of an athlete to he's not. Far too, he's too good. He is far too good. It's just, but but for right now, and I and I do think by next week we'll have our resolution there. It is just, it's so weird right now. 
We're going to take a quick time out when we come back. In about 10 minutes, we've got Zach Pearson of Bear Report. He's going to join the show to talk a lot more on the Bears trade. They get out of that first-round pick, and they got a big-time haul for that. We'll talk a little bit about that before we get Pearson on the show. This is the, uh, this is the Sports Talk Saturday, and you're listening to WGR. All the sports, music, news, and podcasts that you want are all on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. WGR550shop.com. Load up on t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, and more, including a Howard Pick sweatshirt. Get yours now before they're gone at WGR550shop.com. Hour number two of Sports Talk Saturday rolls along. Nate Geary has the day off. I'm Zach Jones along with Corey Griswold. We did get some news right before the show kind of kicked off a little bit, and that is UB firing head coach Jim Whitesell after four years. He had a 70-49 record through four years, one NIT appearance. But, man, mm. I you look at that record probably think, like, that's all right. I mean, 500 every single – or above 500 every single Honestly, year. Honestly, yeah, compared to previous iterations of – UB basketball. Wait, that's a pretty good record through four years. Yeah. The problem is he took over for the era of Bobby Hurley and then Nate Oates. The, expe- uh, the expectations much higher. The expectations were so much higher. They had somewhat of a dynasty going in the MAC. The men's team and even the women's team as well were very, very, very good. The men's team, though, for five or six years were the best team in the MAC. They went to four NCAA tournament games, two big wins, one over Arizona, one over Arizona State. Also, Bobby Hurley, actually, that was a lot of fun. But that program over the past four years has really fallen quite far. It's just hard to sustain in a mid in a mid major. It is. I think the problem was, and this is where I was never really a fan of this hire. I wanted Brian Hodgson, the young assistant for Oates. They went for the older assistant, Jim Whitesell, and that was the problem. UB for that Nate Oates and Bobby Hurley era was the young, hungry coach that wants their first job in Division One basketball, and they want to fight to get higher. I'm okay with UB being that program. That's fine. Yeah. Because it was working. Like, they were routinely getting in really good coaches. They dominated the transfer portal, which was, you know, unheard of for a mid-major. They were getting really good, not NBA players, but, you know, C.J. Massenburg, Nick Perkins, like, these guys were playing in Europe and, and have basketball careers. And just to see how far they've fallen, and even I was watching the MAC tournament this week, too, just because I'm so used to doing it. You look at teams like Toledo and Kent State, and I'm like, those peak UB teams would have smacked these guys. <laughs> like They were so good. I mean, perennially a top 25 team for like two years. I think they were where it's just like every week, like, oh, yeah, Buffalo's in. Like, don't worry about them. They won 32 games in NATO's last year, 32-4. and four. They lose to Texas Tech, the eventual runner-up in 2019, 2020. Yeah. Like, it, you look to them and you're like, Oh, they're really good, and it's just it, it's it's a shame to see where the program has fallen to, where it's at. But it, I think it's the right move. Hopefully, now UB does go back to that younger coach, that I mean, hungry coach. Any team from the MAC sustaining the level of success that oh, it's UB near had, possible. It's that's just not what that conference produces. No, nope. UB and holding to, it would have been the first. one And to, to be do. fair, like uh, you know, another local team out of the Metro Athletic or Metro Atlantic, Niagara, Greg Paulus. If they would have beaten Iona yesterday and won their finals, it would have been against uh, Maris today. If they would have done that, Greg Paulus is likely on the hot seat of, of leaving, yeah. of going to a bigger job. Just because like, if you can do it in this area in western New York where it, it, you're not even really recruiting the New York City areas like the Big East schools used to. like You're kind of, you're kind of popping in and out and seeing what you can get. It, just, it would be huge. And that's like the one like fear now is like if they make an NCAA tournament, if they win a MAC tournament, like it's – they're likely gone. They're not staying. I, Oates stayed, I think, as long as he could, but now you're seeing in Alabama, 
there is controversies there. I'm not going to ignore that, but just in terms of basketball and on on the floor product, they're going to be a one seed. They're a real serious national title contender. Brandon Miller is one of, if not the best freshman in the country, and outside of everything going on there, he should probably be a top five lottery pick in the if, NBA draft. Everything going yeah, on. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. I. I, I'm not Why? in what's Alabama. Why? What's oh happening boy! There? And what's up? Uh, well, they had a player uh, murder somebody. Oh my god! And then it now came. I think two weeks ago. I think it was two or three weeks ago. It came out that Miller gave him the gun to do so. So that's <laughs> that's a whole thing. I don't. I don't want to speak on it. Like I know every detail. That's just kind of what I know, broad strokes wise. And when I heard that, I went, "That's less than great. <laughs> that's not good at all." Who doesn't want a little? Hercule Poirot murder investigation I mean, vibes coming the out of their basketball team. The worst part was for me is like the moment like I had said like I miss Oates' era of Alabama basketball. The story came out about one of his players like murdering somebody on campus. I'm like awesome, great, love that. Like there can be no positivity anywhere. <laughs> love that that's a thing. No, we're gonna take a quick time out. On the other side, we have got Zach Pearson of Bears Report. He's coming on to join the show. Talk a lot more about the Bears. They trade the number one overall pick to the Carolina Panthers, and they got a haul. We're going to do that, and we're going to get going on Hour 3. This is Sports Talk Saturday. Nate Geary has a day off. I'm Zach Jones along with Corey Griswold, and this is WGR. Never miss a moment of WGR Sports Radio 550 again. Rewind up to 24 hours with Odyssey Rewind. Download the Odyssey app, select WGR, and go back in time. Driven by Northtown Automotive. Shop online at northtownauto.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.